As you know, I recently went to NAB, National Association of Broadcasters show. It's their 100th year. It was in Las Vegas, Nevada. The, the convention was fantastic. A ton of exhibitors, really smart people showing up to talk about uh, their work in broadcasting, their handling of data, how the technology is changing. And when we go to these conferences, there's a couple of things that are going on with me. Number one, I love meeting people and I love learning. So I'm doing that all the time. I'm out trying to find out what is the latest and greatest and who are the gatekeepers and the conductors of what's happening. The second thing is probably less obvious, but if you look back at any of the pictures that I've shared and posted in the videos of the last few conferences that I've shared online, I'm always trying to bring new voices into the space because oftentimes you get a large international, especially Asian participation. You get a lot of men across the board. And so I'm trying to bring women and I'm trying to bring black people into the space. And so what happens there also is I get to bring people with me. I hire professionals to come with me. And then sometimes you just make connections. At NAB this year, a connection was made that just seemed to be written before I even got there. It was me casually running into a guy that actually, actually called us out. And then I ran into him again later on one of the virtual production stages in just a very funny moment. And ever since then, we've been communicating and come to find out we should have been talking a long time ago. <laughs> so I welcome on to the Black Futures today, my new friend, Mike Johns. Mike, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate that. Love the intro. <laughs> yeah. And another thing that just happened is, as, as you guys can see, Mike has got this mask on the back of his wall. I just noticed it. I was like, oh, that's a cool mask. Is that from Borderlands? <laughs> yeah, very good. Good eye, sir. Good eye. <laughs> so I think there's a lot of conversations you and I are going to have over the years. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Mike, you're doing some incredibly forward-thinking things, and a lot of it kind of meshes with my thinking. And it's the idea of how do we better connect people in our community to what's happening in tech and how do we make sure we insert ourselves in the conversation and in a really productive and open way that allows people to hear our voices and for us to be a part of the conversation overall. And as a result of that, I got this press release in front of me that says you're into something really cool coming up. I'm just going to read the headlines and I'd love to just hear about how we got here and what your vision is. Tech with Soul, the largest tech gathering for BIPOC community on the earth, converges in 2023 at the annual legislative conference in Washington, D.C., via a new strategic alliance between your organization, which is Digital Mind State, and the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation. How did we get here? Start from the beginning. <laughs> yes. Um, well, obviously, you know, for your listeners, I think it's really, believe it or not, it's very important to know that BIPOC stands for Black Indigenous People of Color. And even our own kind don't quite know, you know, based on where you are in, in America, they don't necessarily know what that stands for. Or if you're international, I'm Jamaican. So if I present that word in Jamaica, they don't really know what that is. But how we got here is the fact that uh, last year was my first time attending the 51st annual legislative conference. And they already had some pretty stellar topics. And at the end of the day, the LC is about creating change the power of the vote, uh, Senate, you know, congressmen, what have you, this is their opportunity to meet the people that put them into position, put them in office. Um, 
a lot of thought leadership that takes place, a lot of parties and what have you. It's a kumbaya moment. Uh, the one thing that was missing out of this was technology. Mm-hmm. And Tech with Soul is a new conference series that has been birthed out of the Consumer Electronics Show. And as we talk about BIPOC, it only made sense to make the claim the largest tech gathering for the BIPOC community that coming from the streets of LA, I got to attack the biggest thing. The biggest right. thing that we going of power would be our Congressional Black Caucus. And I want to be clear, bringing tech there is for the purpose of introducing the latest and greatest to the policy makers, right? Mm-hmm. You and I don't policy. You can attend conferences all you want, but the technologies have to be approved in order to be here in the U.S. So just jumped over everything to say, let's go directly and plant the relationship with the Congressional Black Caucus. They got a chance to do the vetting, did a lot of vetting. We're really happy that they saw the light and then also said, as you have the press release, hey, of the topics that are out there, these are the ones that we find most pressing that we'd love for you to bring. And you have that as well. Yeah. So it says uh, attendees will experience a range of technology products from electric self-driving vehicles to digital health devices, nascent technologies such as artificial intelligence, blockchain, virtual reality, robots, space technology, and more. The question I have for you, I have a couple of questions. Obviously, this is going to be fantastic. The claim that it's the largest on earth obviously leads me to say, how does this border up next to or compare to Afrotech, which we would have probably thought was the largest? How are you making that statement? Right. So number one, we need, I think, to to best answer that, Mm -hmm. um, I love what Afrotech and others' outfits are doing. Political. So- First up, who's doing a a conference with the Congressional Black Caucus? Who's doing something on the level of Congress? There it is. South by Southwest is in Austin, Texas, and other events kind of make their home where they're respectively at. We're talking about here's where decision makers are. Yeah, It's one thing to curate thought leadership. These are the people that our country have put into office to make decisions that impact you and I. Yeah. So that's the lane that we're playing in, right? If you want to create change, that's where I want to be. And that's what we've done. That's fantastic. I see that there's also a list of topics this year that'll be discussed and that are going to be the focus of, I'm sure, your content package and the panels and workshops that you put together. Uh, things like Web3, green economy, tech for good, mm-hmm. health equity, net neutrality, important stuff. All the, the keywords, ethics and bias and AI, which is obviously the talk of the day. Um, yes data compliance and protection, space commercialization, which is something you and I talked about. Mm -hmm. What kind of support are you getting outside of CBC? Are you getting some corporate participation? Who's rallying to your cause? Yeah, we're going to be announcing some names actually starting next week. So right now we'll be announcing names and you will be amongst the first to know. Trust me. I love it. I'm going to be there. First of all, we're we're having you a part of it. You just didn't know. (laughs) I get it. Listen, I'm going to be there. That's right. I'm going to put on my blazer. I'm going to get a haircut and whatever you need me to do, I'm coming to do it. You already got a coverage. You already know what to do. Let's start from the beginning, beginning. Who is Mike Johns? Give us just a little bit of your background. Well, first up, uh, Mike, who? Mike Johns. I'm not the rapper. <laughs> you know, we started this from the ringtone era. I've always been a tech nerd. I mean, I feel like when I'm doing uh, panels or speaking engagements, hell, at NAB, I just did this. How did you get here? Well, my parents had me watch one day at the dinner table a rerun episode of The Twilight Zone. 
And I sat there at the table watching this episode, and my life was turned out. What episode was it? The last man standing on Earth. Rod Sterling and where he was at and to see that I was watching something that was already old, and yet it was brand new. And so it's the reason why you can watch The Twilight Zone today in 2023 and still be intrigued with it. It's not like watching um, an old horror movie from the 1950s and that shit ain't scary. It's the fact that The Twilight Zone, the film and the cinematography, the topics were pressing. I think of um, You Can Look Like Model Number 13. And if this was made in 1965, and you too can have this look when you turn 18, whatever that look is. Uh oh, today's world might be a Brazilian. <clears throat> <laughs> right. It might be a boob injection. It might be the same haircut, right? Right. He said back in 1965, look up on the mirror. Which one do you want to be? You have your models. Right. And now, you know, you look at that today's world. They go Kim Kardashian, they go Nicki Minaj, and then the, the clone, the cloning mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. look, the Barbie doll look. Right. And then the men too have their stories. So I, I was really into that. Um, very big into gender mechanics. How do you push the needle for a female to purchase something? How do you push the needle for a male to purchase? Think about this in every garage, especially men 60 plus, they'll have pictures with tools and there's mm-hmm. the model with the tools. Right. For the female, it's the high heels, it's the stilettos, it's the uh, uh, Louis bag, it's whatever. The, all these different vices that help shape gender. I make that a science of mine. Um, I've, you know, again, from the Twilight Zone, uh, if you hear financial literacy, you've heard of digital literacy, mm-hmm. and you as the futurist, here's a new phrase for you, future literacy. Okay. Everyone must be an investor in the future. Everyone, yeah. as long as you're born, as long as you're in existence, then you too must invest in your future. See the end and then go backwards. Shouts out Jim Ron for that mentorship. But that's how I got here. I was always into tech. Mike Johns is a combination of the streets. Definitely born hip hop. <laughs> My family were Jamaican, so uh, let's go Jamaica hip hop. And remember, Jamaica birthed hip hop. You from the East right. Coast? Yep. Dad's all birthed hip hop, and so that's kind of that whole unapologetically. Uh, your truth, you know, that's the part of the culture play. And so you have that and the fact that your parents has a lot of education. They went on to do some pretty cool stuff. Uh, You and I probably grew up where it wasn't cool to be book smart. So I was really definitely on the streets. I was really outside, but I had this ability. And I always joke to say, you know, if I wanted to be a criminal, I'd be a smart criminal. You know, but I I wanted to apply this this superpower for good, and that's what I'm doing now, ushering in small, medium, large operations into Web three, and that's uh, a part of this journey. Impact one billion people in the next eight years. I saw that. How did you choose eight years? Well, it's actually ten years, but I've been two years on the quest. Deduct two. That's eight left. Got it. I love the integrity <laughs> in the process, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's not an ever running ten. There actually is a countdown <laughs> happening. I love that. Look, I know I haven't prepped you with any questions, so we're going yeah. back in time. When I talk about futurism and the idea of having a show called The Black Futurist, it's not just about what can happen tomorrow or ten years down the line. Sometimes we have to go back and acknowledge who were the futurists that ushered in the next era of human thought. So let's, I'm going to take you back to Carter G. Woodson and W.E.B. Du Bois. 
who at a time were saying, in the arguments in the letters, one is saying, look, we need to teach uh, practical skills where black people in America can get jobs today, money today. And the other one is saying, we need to foster education. We need to build ourselves up into the skill that is going to carry us through tomorrow. And both were right. So my question to you about the idea that you have a very long and forward future view, much of the stuff that we're talking about is not going to happen in our lifetime, right? In the conversations that I know you're having on a regular basis, you're talking about things that go as far as to say what happens when society and humans are on Mars, which may never happen in our lifetime. So my question to you is, how do you balance your vision of the future and all the things that you want to participate in thought experiment with what has to happen today to bolster your community and prepare you guys to even have this conversation? What does that look like in your friend circle? What are you guys talking about? Oh, awesome. I think that that question is powerful. So I'm going to take it apart a little bit. You just said two school of thoughts, Carter G. Woodson, correct? Mm-hmm. Founder in Omega Sci-Fi, my fraternity, the baddest fraternity on earth, and also the seed member of Black History Month. Come on now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then the second person, the Honorable uh, W.E. Du Bois, and they had two different thoughts. Those thoughts, like I described the Twilight Zone, are timeless. Yeah. The talented 10th versus an adaption for the masses is really what you should be saying. It's like tomorrow versus survival today. Yeah. So what I look at right now to best answer that question, and that really goes into what I'm passionate about called this future of work, is right now, one, Digital Mind State, the company, you know, we operate under the philosophy, be ahead, get to the future and greet your customers when they arrive. So that's always been my mind state. Now then, when it comes to the culture, what is that low-hanging fruit that gets mass adoption that can steer one into the future? That low-hanging fruit for the culture has always been entertainment. Yeah. It's probably one of the few things that we own to some degree, right? Right. Maybe just the word creativity. That's powerful. And that's what I see in getting mass adaption into Web3, into future play or future proofing. Uh, We should have learned something from COVID. And that's where the phone starts to ring for digital mind state because everyone, again, small, medium, large, wanted to become future proof. So the question, whether it be Carter G. Woodson or W.E. Du Bois, uh, in today's world, it's really about (laughs) the non-essential or the essential worker. Which one do you want to be? And if you want to be the essential worker, then digital literacy is where we have to accelerate it. That's the world. Two, the pandemic has accelerated things to the point that... uh, it's either he or she that knows versus he or she that doesn't know. Right. Given all that, and I clearly understand everything you're saying, and, and kind of cross-pollinating that with this big conference that you're putting on during the CBC legislative event, mm-hmm. what are businesses that today are essential businesses that are also prepared for this digital growth an explosion, especially as we go into Web3. So if you had a nephew who was 18 years old and you're saying, look, I need you to make your rent now or your mortgage now and get your skills up to be ready for these massive forces that are coming to market to change the way we do everything. What are some of the examples of businesses that you would encourage that young nephew of yours, niece of yours to get involved in? Right. So I feel like I'm having to kind of transpose the question because you're talking about CBC and then businesses there. Um, 
businesses that attend that we will have participating at CBC are the disruptors and enablers for the commoners to use. At the end of the day, technology is really a tool for humankind. Yeah. And that humankind will start at CBC for our agenda, mm-hmm. never for us, by us. Now, for my cousin and Tyrone and uh, Shaquita and them and why they should get also involved with Web3 or the future, yeah. uh, being, to, uh, have their future literacy, you either evolve or you erode. Yeah. Inevitable, these things are happening right now. If you didn't know Facebook before, chances are you know Facebook now. Chances are you know the thumb, the down, Right. You know, uh, the blue dot. So this is a part of digital literacy that's taking right. place. Now then, for uh, Tyrone and Shaquita, what I would say with them is, if you're an entrepreneur, your involvement with tech, especially to say starting with Web3, is so superior now because you are, for the first time in human history, at the complete ownership and Web3 is all about a transactional play. And us, we, the culture, everything that we do is pretty much transactional. It's content. It's a product that we're selling. It's thought leadership. It's all transactional. And yep. Web3 becomes the hub of that that allows no middlemen. So for the my little cousin, male or female, here's your chance for the first time in human history to take full control, shape your destiny, and have ownership. And that's something that we've never really had before. And on top of that, you know, as I'm speaking this, I like to always remind your listeners as the future is the next 10 years is more important than the last 100. Hmm. We have to channel that for the culture. So everything before us was one thing. The next 10 years, just like how you were asking me why eight, well, I already deducted two from that. So now what is your two? What is your goals? You know, my 10 year old son, I try to get him to understand goals. Right. And then accomplishment of those goals. So I don't know if that answered your question or in a roundabout way, but I, I want to kind of take certain things apart and address. Yeah. As an aside, I had a guest on recently who is high up in Microsoft. And the conversation we were having was about broadband equity. And like you said, you mentioned the pandemic changed a lot. When pandemic hit and all the schools everywhere had to go to remote learning, we saw the inequity in just access to broadband. So even though we're all equally getting hit by this tidal wave, this tsunami that is um, the pandemic, there's inherent advantage that some kids can continue their education and some are hindered by the fact that infrastructure is not built in the area, whether it be that they're rural or extremely urban or their socioeconomic status. All that stuff to me comes down to why your conference is so important because you're dealing with legislation. Given what was revealed, that this is a crisis, this is an issue, this is a a fault in our underlying tectonic plates, that sits on top of already the inequities we have in education, in public education, based on zip code. It's very important that we start having these conversations with our lawmakers so that we can address these things on a national scale to say, hey, how do we, number one, identify these issues that are creating these inequities and how do we include ourselves in the conversation? So I love the fact that you're doing what you're doing. How did you come up with this idea? How did you decide, okay, I want to do something huge in tech and, and for my community, and I'm going to attach it to CBCF? Like, that's incredible. That's forward thinking and smart and undone. So Tech with Soul, this, you'll like this, was birthed out of CES, and it's mm-hmm. at this Consumer Electronics Show. These are some of the magazines. Digital Mindset already produced content for this that have included 
um, Bob Johnson, Dr. Ben Chavis, you know, from mm -hmm. civil rights to space rights, Ray J, giving a, a Nipsey Hustle Innovation Award. You know, we really were the thick of it. So as a result of doing this, and then also something that I've noticed, uh, again, has been the same faces at tech conferences across the country, especially yeah. in the NFT series. And it's the same faces because the event organizer typically doesn't know anyone else. Right. That's true. Uh, they may not know who you are, so they know maybe a celebrity. And this is what happens, especially within the black community is we'll go for a celebrity. The celebrity really is speaking on how they're utilizing a Web3 or any form of technology, but they're also a moneymaker to the conference itself. Right. We know that Damon John is going to be there. If I have Snoop Dogg and three others, then I could bump the tickets up, right? Because yeah. that's going to be the draw that people are wanting. The other half of that is that most of that are building in tech, especially on the black hand side, or have nothing to do with being a celebrity. They're just like anyone else, a developer, a coder, a manager process, um, and need a voice. I just so happen to be lucky to make it in the room. And so I want to make sure that I open up the door for others. It's the same Tyrone that we talked about. My little cousin, Ray Ray and them might be smart as heck. Right. His Compton education might surpass Harvard education to be tactful, right? So I love, you know, being a re-engineer. Uh, something that Shapeshipper taught me out in Belgium is to be the repositionist of words. And so when I look at the events and where things are, I have to re-engineer, reposition this. Let's go ahead and create the voice, something that you said, the voice for the Latino woman. Uh, when we did the LA Blockchain Summit with Tim Draper, I was the first to make sure we had an Indian, we had a black woman and a Latino. Mm -hmm. Often do you see them on stage, right? I was moved, um, I think in England at an Informa conference and I just give this to you for the ratings. I was moved off of being at an Informa conference in London, Olympia Fields. And uh, I was listening to one of the speakers from the door from outside. And this Indian guy was right there and he was wondering, what do you do? Why are you here? Why are you here at this conference? And I was just listening to him and he said something that was so interesting. He said the whites usually create the idea, have the finances, and then pour that into the Chinese who create the hardware, who also has a degree of the finance, a lesser degree. And then they also poured it to the Indian who creates the software, mm -hmm. who's also having a little bit of money. Where do you fit into this process? Great question. So I had to get in his ass and I did. <laughs> he didn't realize that I was a keynote speaker. <laughs> right, right. I love questions like that. I think it's honest. I think he's giving you his yeah. honest perspective on how he sees the world. It's so yes. funny to me, as you say, I think we watch some of the same properties. You clearly are aware of different video game properties. You're probably aware mm -hmm. of different sci-fi properties. You, you mentioned Twilight yes. Zone earlier. It's so funny to me sometimes where I know that we share that interest with people all over the world. And it's so easy for people to accept the idea that here's a spaceship or a space station that has people from different planets. And these people work together and are accepted, except the fact they don't even breathe the same air. But then when right. we talk about it in real life, it's like we have built such barriers between people who are from the same planet, who <laughs> from the same city even, but different parts of it working together. You know, accepting right. real life Uhura at the table is harder than accepting some 
alien from another planet in their mind. So it's, it's nuts. And we yes. got to call that out as much as possible and like foster yes. open communication and cooperation because all our ideas make us stronger. You're, all like, our you, ideas. You know, I love what Warren Buffett said. If we embraced diversity and inclusion 50 years ago, where would America be today? Bro, did you see this show on Apple TV Plus called For All mm. Mankind? What's that about? Space travel. Starts in the 60s, the space race. Okay. With one variable changed. In this show, they're talking about the space race as we know in real history, and like we're going to call it Universe X, which is ours. Um, yeah. In 69, the United States announced that they had made the first landing on the moon. The show goes back before 69 and says, let's reimagine the entire universe and all the things that we've done. But one key variable has changed, and that is women are allowed at the table from the beginning. Their ideas, their expertise, their participation is allowed at the table. How does that change everything? And it's a fantastic imagining. By the time you catch up to 2020, we're so far ahead of where we are in reality. Just from the fact that we didn't marginalize and minimize the majority gender on the planet's ideas and participation in our own growth and development. So right. that Buffett quote is right on time. What well, to that, you know, when I hear what you just said there, one of the things the pandemic revealed to me is that we're really still just children. Mm. And the parent now is government. We're trying to remove critical thinking from the equation and say the government makes a decision. Um, but even government makes its errors social yeah. media posts that are bad plays that cause someone to be fired or, you know, reprimanded. We're just children. And when I heard you say, you know, women now have a seat at the table, they should have always had a seat at the table. How dare mankind says one does not. How dare mankind say because of your skin color, you're this. And I'm speaking of our Indians in our caste system, right? Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, one of the things that the pandemic revealed to me is that humanity still has yet to hit reset. Yeah. As a result of the pandemic, we had violence. We had George Floyd. We had shouts out to Breonna Taylor. Then all of a sudden we had the freaking war in the Ukraine. How does that birth out of a pandemic? I don't want to fight a war in the Ukraine in, in pandemic time. Right. Bullets I could deal with, but this invisible thing is something else. Maybe let's put the war on pause. Right. <laughs> really, what is our issue? Yeah, let's just take that in the Olympics and fight that way, or get in a boxing match. But we still have a long way to go. We're just children. That's why God is so real. When you're wildly successful at what you're doing today, just talking about what you're doing with Tech with Soul. Let's say you're wildly successful this year. When you reach that tenth year, let's imagine forward for a minute. What happens? How is the world different? What is the impact of your work? Very good question. Um, you know. So with Tech With Soul, one of the things that I took into consideration, and I, I can't even say consideration, I studied deeply midnight hours and really understood the pain and struggle of what it was to create South by Southwest. People don't realize that TEDx, a lot of people are on TEDx, but TED Talk, uh, after the first two years, went bankrupt. Hmm. There was a struggle. It had to be... Uh, it, needed, it had to hit reset. It was a great idea, might have been ahead of its time. And then both of these properties took about 30 years. And so in for creating Tech with Soul, I'm very much mindful that the economy or the ecosystem that it sits in 
it, it, it takes a period of time to mature. CES, about they're all at the 30 plus year mark, 30 plus. So yeah. actually, most of them are probably over 30. If you look at the history of CES, where Tech with Soul was birthed, you know, what started in Chicago to then a section of a room in Las Vegas, then became the whole entire show. So I'm mindful of knowing that there will be stepping stones, there will be progress. And then ultimately, I want to turn this over to my son, who's always there. So he's privileged to meet some key people uh, from astronauts, those in tech, those in politics. And so at a young age, him being able to see the diversity of people, white men, white women, Indian, Korean, what have you, to be a part of this BIPOC for all. So I, it's something that you said that I'm actually going to adopt for all mankind. And that's what Tech With Soul is about, for all mankind, everyone that has a soul, right? Because soul, uh, I always look at this and, and you know, I'm very spiritual. What is your soul purpose? Mm -hmm. And what is your soul purpose? S-O-L-E versus S-O-U-L says two different things, kind of like mind your business or minding your business. Right. And so um, I'm on that. Ten years from now, I'll turn it over to my son. I want to uh, I want to do what Don Cornelius did, but keep the ownership. Yee. <laughs> I love it. What do you need from your community to support what you're doing? Wow. You are very good with the questions. Um, <laughs> participation. You know, it's here's a new freeway. It gets you from point A to point B quicker than what you were going. You might want to try this freeway. Yeah. Participation. Okay. Great. So that's, that's it. Participation. Take advantage. You know, I love what uh, the manager for Earth, Wind, and Fire said something to me as a super youngster. You remember when Little Wayne and them created Young Money mm -hmm. and there was already cash money. Right. The manager for Earth, Wind and Fire told me, Mike, we've already paved the streets. We've already paved the roads. It's your job just to pick out the weeds. Nice. That's where we have to be. The roads have already been paved. And so rather than creating a new road and go backwards, modify the existing roads. And that's yeah. something for the culture. There's Black Hollywood. We don't have a Black Hollywood. Hollywood just left and went to Atlanta thanks to Tyler Perry. Yeah. Right. So now from Tyler Perry, that's and that's fine. I think that that's cool. Uh, Martha Gibbs and those from the uh, the era of good times attempted to do their thing, owning certain properties in the Merck Park, um, and that window of time. This is a very deep question because just like the Apollo, but different. Martha Gibbs owning a studio that or a venue that you once you pass, who is managing it? Mm -hmm. Now the sales sign kicks in. This is true with all black businesses. You remember First Friday. You remember the Apollo. You remember so many different things. We can start businesses, but do we maintain them? And so that's where I'm grooming my son and uh, to be able to be a part of that process. And, and, and he will have his freedom. If that's something that he chooses not to do, then I would just turn it over to a respective uh, for all mankind community. Yeah. That's so it'll be a, it'll still be a diversity play always forever.